Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. A reading from 1 Kings, chapter 18, verses 17 to 39. When King Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bowls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then the people said, What you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the way the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, 
Let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you're turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How about that reading? It's a, it's a long reading, yes. <laughs> but there's only one. This is the beauty of the narrative lectionary is that we get a longer story. So you get more of the story. But how about that, how about that story? Seems a little out there. Maybe seems a little detached. I don't know, maybe. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> There's this, I, I wanna start with the story and then relate it back to us. I wanna give you a little bit of, of context in this too because I think it's, it, it's important to have a, a even deeper understanding of what's going on. So uh, King Ahab is one of the northern kings of Israel, and uh, there's a whole line of, of kings that happen. And, and in uh, chapter 16 of uh, 1 Kings, it said that Ahab, son of Omri, reigned, so Omri was the king beforehand, uh, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. This is a common phrase that happens because each king is worse than the next. All right? and, and most of what happens from, from uh, 1 Kings 17 through the rest of the chapter is about Ahab. And you have his wife Jezebel, which I'm sure you've heard that name before just in cultural context. And Jezebel, that name that sometimes get used as an insult, refers back to this Jezebel. This she is cruel. She is mean. She is cruel. She is deadly. Just to give you a sense of this. So Ahab, the northern kingdom, he marries Jezebel, who is a princess of Phoenicia, which is a neighboring kingdom, a little bit to the north and to the west. And so this creates a bit of a safety for the northern kingdom of Israel. And with this marriage comes the gods of the Phoenicians, which is Baal and Asherah and a whole pantheon of other gods. Asherah is like the mother god, and Baal is in mythology, in the, in the mythology of the area, Baal is her son. And Baal, uh, Asherah is a fertility god, and Baal is a storm god that also has to do with agriculture it would be really important in an, in an agricultural society that you have a somebody to worship related to agriculture and storms. He's called the, the rider of the clouds. That's what one of his names uh, is in there. And so what happens is that Ahab, in honor of his wife, sets up an altar for Baal and also a... What are they, a sacred pole that they would be able to worship at. 
And so what happens is he's okay with the worship of Yahweh, but he's really trying to please his wife and create that unit, unit uh, geopolitical alliance, right? So there's a lot of politics going on in this. And so he's got multiple different worshiping going on. This is provoking God. That's not good. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Because Israel is supposed to be part of the people of God. Part of the, it's the tribes of Yahweh in this. And Ahab has ignored that. And as a result, Elijah is sent. And Elijah is sent to prophesy that God is not happy and that there will be a drought on the land. And so where we pick up in today's reading is three years into the drought. Three years into the drought. Things might be getting a little desperate. A couple of stories before this in 17 talks about Elijah with folks who are essentially at death's door because they have nothing. So that gives you a little bit of context of what's going on. And what you have is Elijah and Ahab finally meeting because Elijah has been on the run. Jezebel is trying to kill off Yahweh's prophets. And so Elijah is the only one left. So he's on the run. He's really good at hiding. And, and so finally God sends him and says, you need to go tell Ahab that I'll bring rain on the land if you get rid of all this. That's the summary version. And so he gets together and Ahab says, oh, it's you, the troublemaker. This is where we picked up today. And Elijah's like, I'm not the troublemaker. You're the troublemaker. You're the one making, making an altar for, for Baal, a false god. And then it shifts. Because Elijah isn't really addressing the king and the queen and the leadership. He's addressing the people. He's concerned for the people. This is what God wants him to address, is the people. Because it's the people that God loves, even in spite of this. And they don't get to choose who their leadership is going to end up worshiping and make the official state religion. And you hear in this, I think, the saddest line the people said nothing. People said nothing. And it's easy for us to, to sit back and go, oh, how come they're saying nothing? Probably scared out of their mind. I, Jezebel was ruthless. And Ahab went along with it. And so, of course, they say nothing. Because when there is oppression, survival is what's most important. And so the people say nothing. They're worried about survival. They may not know. They may not know. They may not have a sense of how, what's the best way to survive this. We don't know. We don't know what to say. And so then Elijah, as we say, uh, as we see in here, proposes this um, uh, battle of the gods. It's the best way to describe it. And it's a whole setup. And Elijah, you know, right? So think about this. Three years of drought. What do the people need in the midst of a drought? Water. And what does Elijah use to determine 
who the real God is. Fire, which is interesting. It's a setup because that's not what the people need. But it's the setup. And so he's got this whole thing of, all right, you know, you prophets, there's a lot of you. So I'll let you go first. Because, you know, 450, imagine a committee of 450 people. Good luck with that. And so you, you pick the bull that you want. You pick the location here. You get the wood. Don't light it. And then you do, you call out to your God. And so this goes on. They set it up and they call out, Baal, Baal. Nothing happens. And then about midday, Elijah starts having some fun. It's pretty bold. Think about this. You're one, and you're facing 450, along with a king who's not happy with you. And he starts to taunt them. What was that in, in Bible study? Somebody said, oh, he's like the Old Testament troll, uh, online troll. <laughs> and he taunts them. And he says, oh, maybe, uh, maybe Baal went somewhere else make, on vacation or something like that. The idea was that at nighttime, Baal goes to the dark side of the planet to sleep. And maybe he just, you know, forgot to come back. Just shout louder. Or, or maybe he fell asleep. The, the, the actual Hebrew there, to give you a sense of it, is not just that he fell asleep, but this is Elijah mocking. Well, maybe he fell asleep on the holy toilet. That's what Elijah is really saying, which is a huge taunt. Like maybe, maybe you know, he's constipated and he fell asleep on the toilet. You know, you got to shout louder. That's what Elijah is saying in this. I, you know, he's really throwing it at them and ins just insulting them. And of course, nothing happens and, and, and what we hear is there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Why is that? Because Baal is a false god. There's nothing there. Of course, there's no response. Of course, no one paid attention. There's nothing to pay attention back. It's false. And then we hear the story, Elijah finds water somewhere, <laughs> And has them douse it, not once, not twice, but three times to make sure because they're in a drought and he does not want the accusation to be that, oh geez, something maybe sparked and lit it on fire. No, it's, it is completely doused with precious water. With precious water, life-giving water. He's going to great lengths to show this. And he prays to God. He doesn't even pray, God, come send your fire down and consume. No, he's not demanding anything from God. And yet God does this. And it consumes the entire altar and the water and the wood and everything. And then the people bow down and they call out. And we, of course, wonder, are they doing that out of love or out of fear? I don't know. If I saw that, I'd probably be a little fearful. <laughs> right? So what does this have to do with us? That's the real question. I had, it got me thinking of a question. What is a God? What is a God? That's the question that I've been thinking about all week. What's a God? Martin Luther 
had, uh, Martin Luther had something to say about this. He wrote in the large catechism uh, about this question, and there's a nice one-sentence summary. Anything on which our heart relies and depends, I say, that is really your God. That's what Martin Luther said. Anything on which your heart relies and depends, that is really your God. It's really about the things that we turn to in order to make decisions, in order to inform our beliefs and our identities. What are those, what's the thing that we turn to first? That we listen to first? That's our God. I came up with a little list of, off the top of my head, and this is by no means complete. But think about the things that can be God, that can be God's for folks. Money, material things, work, skills, looks, beauty, youth, intelligence, entertainment, comfort, technology, gadgets, family can be a God. Influence, power, might, passions and emotions, partisan identity, nationalism, patriotism, political leaders, other type of leaders, ideologies, safety, control, knowing, being right. That's a big one. And even the church can be a God. The building for some folks, or the Bible, or this is how we've always done it, tradition, beliefs, that is certainly not an exhaustive list. Really, anything can be a God. It doesn't mean that everything is. But created things, whatever it is that we're putting more on something than what it is, that we're putting that as first as opposed to God. I found this, uh, there's, I I remember reading this somewhere, I don't remember where, but idols demand human sacrifice. Idols demand human sacrifice. And that can be literally human sacrifice, that has happened in the past. Or it can mean that we are sacrificing something of ourselves. A demand of sacrificing something of ourselves And the common things are often our relationships with others. Our health, our integrity, or even our lives. Think about, you know, we've had this for the last few years where relationships have suffered because of politics. We have people who are willing to sacrifice relationships for the sake of a variety of different things that become more important. Pope Francis, who's the the Catholic uh, Pope right now, he had this to say about idols. They they promise happiness, but they don't give it. And we find ourselves living for that thing, waiting for a result that never comes. That might be a really great way of defining what an idol is. And, you know, it's really easy for us to think about other people's idols and it's really hard to deal with our own 
to take a look at, well, what is it that I am valuing? And what am I willing to sacrifice for whatever that thing is? And we can be really hard on ourselves. We can say, man, we just keep screwing up. Here's the thing. As much as we may have those type of idols out there, God is still God. Even those, those idols, just like in our story, Baal, no one answers, no one responds, no one pays attention. That's what our idols, they don't give us what we want. God is still present. God still loves us. Thankfully, God forgives us. God doesn't abandon us. God makes promises. Because that's what God does, and God delivers on those promises. I found this list. It's by Deb Wolf, who's from, uh, she has a website called Count My Blessings. And she had some promises of Jesus that will give us hope. And they're all, they're all scripture. They're all citing scripture. Here's a few of them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5. Another one, then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. John 8. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. John 11. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Matthew 6. Jesus said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8. Jesus I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28. I'm going to prepare a place for you where everything is ready. When everything is ready, I'll come and get you. John 14. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. John 14. And I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. John 15. The difference between God and the idols is very plain. As, as I think Stanley, you had mentioned in the Bible study, what kind of a God is it that makes you want to suffer? It's going to cost you in pain. That doesn't mean that everything's all rosy and great and unicorns and whatever else that God doesn't put us into those situations. God shows up in the midst of that to walk with us, to offer healing, comfort, forgiveness, grace, mercy, community, so that we are not alone. All that is love. This is what God does. This is what God promises. This is what God has always been doing. This is how God shows himself to be real. 
God shows up in a variety of different ways. When I look through the sanctuary, I see the face of God in all of, its, in all of God's beauty and variety. You all display the face of God because you're all made in the image and likeness of God. And this is how we can see God. And that's a beautiful thing. And this is what God pr- promises us. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at ChristHarrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 South 13th Street in Harrisburg. Parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you and I pray that you have a blessed week.